want you to open your Bible to Genesis 32. Genesis 32. If you use the Bible app, I do upload our notes in there. You can look under events and you'll find our, our services listed right there. And I've got all of my notes, the verses I share, my points. Taking a brief break from James. This has been burning in my heart for a while now. Next week is Pentecost, and so we'll minister on Pentecost. We'll probably pick up James down the road. Genesis 32. Are you there? We got out of the New King James this morning. Genesis 32 and verse 22. And he, this is Jacob, arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 sons, and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. He took them and sent them over the brook and sent what he had. And Jacob was left alone. A man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip went out of joint as he wrestled him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. The sun is rising. He said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. He said, what is your name? He said, Jacob. He says, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with man and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. He said, why do you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Penuel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. Wow. Let's ask the Lord to speak to us through his word this morning. Lord, I just welcome you right now, and I ask God... For your help, I ask you to move beyond what I am able to share and communicate, not man's wisdom, but the truth of your eternal word. God, I pray that you would accomplish all that you desire to today. I pray for a great anointing to be released in this place. In the Come on, church, would you help me pray? Pray with your spirit. Pray with your understanding. Welcome the Holy Ghost right now. Lord, we ask you to pour out your spirit. Lord, to release your anointing. And give us eyes to see and ears to hear, a heart and a mind that perceives what your spirit is speaking. I pray, Jesus, the same anointing that was on you to preach the gospel, that I ask it would be upon me, that I would preach under the leading of your Holy Spirit, eternal God's wisdom being released. And I bind the works of the enemy. He would seek to distract, to distort, to confuse, or uproot your word as it comes forward. Give us liberty today in receiving your word. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. amen, amen. You may be seated. I don't very often preach about Jacob. Um, you know, my wife and I were still seeking inner healing. I don't know if you have ever caught this, but uh, I married Aaliyah, and uh, Jacob also married Leah. 
But uh, I'm not that guy, and she's not that girl. But we'd always have these moments in Bible school. Anybody would preach about Jacob and how Leah was ugly, and then people would always look at her, and uh, it was just a horrible thing. So I pretty much avoided uh, preaching out of Jacob, even though this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. You know, he favored um, Rachel, and uh, Rachel, by the way, means cow. Uh, in the Hebrews, so uh, none of this really works out very well. But I did like, I didn't tell you this, Leah, I didn't even mention this in the first service, but one commentator I saw actually saw uh, translated Leah as lovely eyes or lovely to behold. And so who knows what these guys were thinking, but, uh, but it's an interesting account. And I don't know if you've ever had a moment where uh, you happen upon a stranger and you just decide, I feel like wrestling this guy. Do you ever had that moment? I mean, we're going to see as we break down the message, Jacob is a wrestler. He's been a wrestler since he was in his mama's womb. That's who he was. And we're going to see that this is actually a God-ordained trait in his life. But I, I want to highlight something that maybe you've not considered. And I want to give everybody in the place permission maybe to even look at God maybe even slightly differently than you have. I've noticed when I read the Bible, I notice that God is a lot more gracious with unbelief. He's more gracious with doubt. He's more gracious with people questioning or even pushing back or arguing with him. I mean, God is actually okay with this most of the times you see it in Scripture in a way that most Christians are not. We would hear, you know, we still call Thomas doubting Thomas, even though the Bible never marked him as that. Uh, uh, we still question some of these guys, the labels that are put on him. But even a couple weeks ago, I was reading in Genesis 32. I want you to think about this. Moses is in a cloud of glory under God's presence, and God tells him, Moses, I am sick of the people of Israel. I'm going to wipe them out and start over with you. And Moses has the audacity to say, No, God, I don't think this is a good idea. Uh, have you considered everybody already knows the miracles you worked to get the people out of Israel, and you really want to go down as the God who delivered the children, took them into the desert, and killed them? Um, God, let's think about this. And God actually relented. God changed his mind about this. Now, can you imagine being in the manifest glory and the audible voice of the Lord is speaking to you and you think, I'm going to argue with God in a decision he's making. Peter, in Acts chapter 10, is sitting on a roof, and here comes a sheep being lowered down with pork chops and, uh, and grilled shrimp and, uh, uh, I don't know, pick your favorite unclean food. Uh, all of these things that he's never been allowed to eat, and the Lord Jesus speaks to him, Peter, rise, kill, eat, and he says, no, again, encounter with God, but he's questioning. Now, God wins out on this one. He tells him three times, and eventually he does rise and kill and eat. And, and you know that story, but you read the Psalms. God, David would pray, have you forgotten to be merciful? Where is your kindness? My enemies are all around you. Where are you, God? 
I'm laying a foundation. Are you getting the idea? Abraham. Uh, Abraham, I'm going to go to Sodom and Gomorrah and wipe these people out. Well, God, how about this? If there's 50 good people down there, will you spare the city? Begins bartering with God. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever thought about this, but like these aren't bums that I'm talking about in Scripture, you understand. These are like, these are the heroes. These are the patriarchs. I mean, this is Peter, the apostle. This is Abraham, the father of our faith. This is Jacob, the patriarch, wrestling with God. I mean, these are the heroes, and they're all disagreeing with God. God doesn't seem upset about it. And I want you to think about something. Do you realize that, I mean, how many of you have friends that you've ever disagreed with? Hallelujah. How many of you have a spouse that you have disagreed with? Okay, be careful. It's mostly ladies raising their hands. Hallelujah. Yeah, the men, I'm not about to start another fight, Pastor Jacob. But we have these moments, and guess what? You did not have one disagreement with your spouse, and man, I'm breaking it off. I'm done with this. No, the fact that you're actually in covenant relationship actually gives you ground. It gives you equity to have disagreements, to have conversations, to reason through and even change your mind at times. And, I mean, this begs the question. I, I, I meet church people all the time that get wounded. They get offended. There's a disagreement, and they leave that church. I'm never going back. Those people are, are this and that. And, and it makes me question, were you ever in covenant relationship with those people? Were you ever in covenant relationship with God? Because I'll tell you, I love you guys, but you are not the main reason that I come to church. You are not the main reason that I'm a part of the body of Christ. I am committed to Jesus. I love him. I love his bride. I care for the things he cares about. And I want to be a part of what he is building. And he's building a church. So I want to be a part of it. And he's the reason. I get offended by people too. I've been a part. I've seen sinful leadership. I've, been, I've had all of that. But I'm still a part because I love him. I'm in covenant with him. So we look at Jacob And this is a very interesting account. Here is Jacob wrestling with God. If you're taking notes, there's three ideas I want to share with you today. We're going to talk about his wrestling. We're going to talk about an encounter that he has with God. And we're going to talk about the identity or what I would call the affirmation of his identity. Uh, But we'll get there. Number one, I want to look at the wrestling. Everyone say wrestling. In verse 24, it says, Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. You want to know why I like wrestling? It's because you do it alone. I played football. I ran track I played baseball. I I mean, I tried just about every sport. Uh, Even after I began pastoring, we started a hockey team called the Demon Hunters. And, uh, oh, man, that thing was so cool. And uh, and it was awesome. You know, team sports are good. I could be playing a horrible game, but if my team does good, I win. Right? There's also moments, and I don't know if you've ever been a part of a team like this. Maybe, man, you are doing incredible, but your team does poorly, or the coach makes a bad call, and it costs you the game. Guess what? You could do awesome, but you're still a loser. 
Has anybody ever been a part of a team like that? Hallelujah. We were watching my daughter's canoe regatta yesterday, and uh, boy, my daughter's strong. I've been on a stand-up paddleboard. She can pull me through that water like crazy. I mean, her core, she's a strong girl. It doesn't matter how strong she is because when she's on a team, it's up to the entire team to perform, to win or to lose. But what I like about wrestling, I wrestled and it became my favorite thing because why? It's me against you. It's my strength against your strength. It's my experience against your experience. May the best man win. And I like that. Doesn't matter if my teammates are losing, man. I am the winner. And I love, do you have any wrestlers in the house? Anybody who wrestled? Okay. All right. Why are you patting him on the back? He's not. Okay. So, uh, hallelujah. Joe, let's wrestle. I mean, we're going to do this. I I like wrestling. But Jacob was alone, and he wrestled. You know, I, I like, I mean, you have these moments in wrestling, and it's man against man. Everybody say this. It's personal. It's one of the things I like about wrestling. It's personal. And Jacob is having a moment right now where it's not God at a distance. It's not God, I'm, I'm kneeling at an altar. It's not God, I'm giving an altar. No, he's now having a personal encounter with God. It's personal. It's personal. And this is the thing, man. We need to get personal with God. This is why I don't, I don't get people getting offended and leaving the body of Christ. It tells me, bro, it's not personal for you. Remember being in Bible school and we'd go on evangelism. Like, I want you to go do evangelism with Teresa. Go today, 1.30. Hallelujah. My wife and I, we'd go do evangelism. We'd go down to these clubbing areas. You know, late at night, we'd take teams with us. We're street witnessing. And every once in a while, we would see Bible school students come wandering out of the club. And they weren't in there for evangelism. I'd look at these guys like, bro, what you doing? And like we'd look and like, is that Byron? That's Byron. What's he doing? Yeah, come on. We go get him and uh, and on. But we saw stuff like that, and it just makes you wonder. Like, hey, have you ever met somebody? It's like they were raised in a Christian family. They're a part of the church. They're going to Bible school, and yet they're living like the devil. You see, I don't get mad at the family. I don't get mad at the school or the church. What it tells me is this person has never gotten personal with God. That boy that you like who tried to sleep with you even though you met him in youth group has not gotten personal for him yet. It's not gotten personal. This is why, yeah, I have my kids in church, but it's like I, I'm attempting to send my son to, to a youth camp. Why? So he can worship God on his own. I want my kids, they, they're going to get personal with the Lord. Has it gotten personal with you? Friend, I love corporate prayer. Every morning we come for early morning prayer. And I love praying with the body. But if I don't have a personal prayer life with Jesus, I am. I'm missing it. I'm missing it. I love corporate worship, but it is not a substitute for a personal time of adoration of my God in the secret place. I love that I was raised in a family of faith. My mom taught me how to pray and how to read my Bible, but it wasn't enough to keep me out of drugs and out of the world. I had to get personal with Jesus. 
And so we're here, and this is what we, this is what we do. I mean, we, we get together, we worship, and we pray, and we go after God. And, but it's not a substitute, friend. It's not a substitute for a passionate, personal pursuit of God Almighty. When I look at the life of a guy like Jacob, he had a legacy of faith. He had his family. He was pivotal in the formation of everything that we still practice to this very day. But like Jacob, Jacob, like many of us, begins to wrestle through life. Jacob, as I said, was a wrestler from the beginning. When he was in his mom's womb, there was even a word that came out about how the two are wrestling and they're going to be like nations that are warring against one another. He even grabbed the heel of his brother as he was emerging from the womb, which is why they name him Heel Grasper or Supplanter. He's trying to usurp his brother. And so they named him Jacob the Usurper. He was wrestling in the womb. Everybody say wrestling. We see that he was wrestling for the birthright of Esau. Esau goes out. He's hunting. And Jacob is making soup at home. And Esau comes back home. And he's hungry. He's famished. He's he's starving. Any, Any parents ever have your kids come to you? I'm starving. Okay. My kids are like that sometimes. Hallelujah. He's a growing boy. But they come home. Esau comes home. Jacob, I'm starving. Can I have some of your soup? And Jacob, he sees an opportunity right here, man. This is a moment. Uh, I will give you the soup if you give me your birthright. The rights of the firstborn son, which, by the way, in this culture, it was a legal right. We don't do this. You know, we draw up wills. We give inheritance to whoever we want. But in this culture, the law was the firstborn gets the, the bulk of the inheritance. You can leave stuff to others, but the firstborn. And he says, give me the right of the firstborn. And Esau, so foolish, the Bible rebukes him over and over. In fact, it was an attitude that later God said he hated. He despised his blessing. The Bible says for a temporary fix, for a fleeting satisfaction, he traded his birthright. What good is an inheritance if I'm dead, he tells Jacob. And I swear I'll give you my inheritance. And he does. Jacob gives him soup. What is he doing? Jacob is, he's wrestling. Everybody say wrestling. Wrestling for the blessing. Wrestling for the birthright. He wrestles the blessing for the blessing of his father, uh, Isaac. Uh, He dresses in animal skins. He lies to his father. He so wants the affirmation, the blessing. It was a prophetic declaration that went generation to generation. He so wanted that blessing that he was willing to wrestle, even to lie to receive the blessing. He wrestled for that blessing. You know how that turns out. It goes south. Esau threatens to kill him. So he leaves. He goes to another country. And as he's traveling, he comes to this conclusion, well, maybe what I didn't have in the, in the inheritance, maybe what I lacked with my siblings, maybe what I, what I did not have from my father, I know I'm going to find it in the love of a spouse. If I just marry the right woman, then everything is going to work out all right. And you guys know how that turns out. Ends up being deceived, ends up being uh, uh, seven years working for someone he did not even want to marry. And you watch his entire marriage relationship explodes. It's a mess. In fact, the very first verse that we read today, 
You know that he's gone astray when it says Jacob and his two wives. That's not wisdom, friend. I'm just telling you, that never works out in Scripture. Hallelujah. Every man say amen. So he wrestles. I want the blessing of the firstborn. I want the blessing of my father. I want the blessing of a family inheritance. I want the blessing of the love of a spouse. And you realize, you guys, none of these things are bad. None of these. I mean, we all want the affirmation of a father. We all want somebody to love us. We all want to be provided for. This is what Jacob was seeking his entire life. He's wrestling. He's contending. And yet what he does not yet realize is what he wants can only come from God. And so you'll notice that there's a moment where Jacob in Genesis 28, it's before the wrestling occasion, He goes to sleep one night and he has a dream. And in the dream he sees angels ascending and descending upon the earth and and he hears the voice of God speak to him. Jacob, I am with you the same way I was with your father and with your grandfather Abraham. And the same promise I gave to Abraham, I am giving to you. I'm going to multiply your descendants. As numerous as the stars, as numerous as the sand, that's how your descendants will be. And this blessing, oh, everyone will be blessed through you. Jacob wakes up. He calls the place Bethel. It's the house of God. It's a place of encounter. He anoints an altar with oil. And And then the Bible says he makes an agreement with God. And this was his agreement. This is very interesting in Genesis 28. He says, if God provides for me. Everybody say, if. If God provides for me, if God protects me, if God gives me my desires, then the Lord will be my God. That's what you call a conditional contract. That's what you call a conditional agreement. God, if you do this for me, then I'll, then I'll be loyal to you. But if you fail, uh, I'm just going to go do my own thing. It's essentially what Jacob was saying. And friend, I know you may think bad about Jacob, but I would submit to you that most of you came to God on the same terms. Um, God, I've heard about this hell place. It sounds pretty rotten. If you spare me from hell, you can be my God. If you save me from my sin, if you deliver me from my addiction, if you provide for my needs, then I will be your God. But if you don't hold up your end of the deal, uh, all bets are off. Now, God is gracious. He doesn't chastise Jacob in this, in this moment, but, uh, but his heart is like many of our hearts He's crying out, if I can just have success, then my life will be complete. If someone will love me, if I'll have a child, if I'll have someone appreciate me, if I could have this or that experience, then I know it's going to be okay. And all the while, all throughout his life, I don't think he realizes, but he's wrestling with God. Looks like he's wrestling with Esau or his father, wrestling in the womb, but all of this time he's wrestling with God and he doesn't even realize it. Wrestling for what God can give him. And in verse 25, something changes. In Genesis 32, 25, it says, When he, now this is the angel of the Lord, 
saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip. And the socket of his hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, Jacob, I will not let you go unless you bless me. This is the second main idea. Everybody say encounter. Jacob goes beyond a wrestling match with a man and begins to realize there's something more that's going on here. He realizes before this story's done, we read the text already, he realizes I'm dealing with God himself right now. He's having an encounter with God. And this changes everything. I studied this. I looked at the Hebrew words that are connected with this. And you realize when the Bible says that God touched his hip, it doesn't mean that he smashed his hip, punched his hip, you know, smote his hip. Uh, No, it's literally like a boop. In one touch, he realizes, I don't know, have have you ever wrestled, maybe not like actual wrestling, but you ever just like, wrestle around with your buddies or anything, it's tiring. It requires everything of you. I mean, three minutes on the mat, you're about to die. It's a long, how did Jacob wrestle all night? I mean, he must have been exhausted. And in one touch, God revealed, there's a lot more. I could wipe you out in one moment. We know Jacob realized that he wasn't wrestling with a normal man. He was wrestling with God. And he comes to this conclusion because later he says, he names the place Peniel, which means face to face, because he said, uh, the man says, uh, God says, you struggled with God and prevail. And Jacob says in verse 30, I have seen God face to face. Hosea chapter 12 in verse 4 says that Jacob wrestled with the capital A angel of the Lord, a physical manifestation of Jesus. I want you to think about that. Jesus is showing up and he's wrestling now with Jacob. Remember when we were praying about starting this church? We began, my wife and I started trips in 2018 and 2019. God began to birth this idea in our heart. And remember Dr. Morocco coming to me and saying, Pastor Jacob, there are moments in God. There are moments in God. He says, I believe God wants to build a great church in Kona. And if we get the timing right, God's going to build another cathedral on the big island. But there are moments. Everybody say there are moments in God. What does that mean? There are windows of opportunity where God is active, where God is doing something. And friend, a lot of preachers won't tell you this. Oh, God is gracious. Just kneel by your bed. You didn't miss. No, friend, you can miss a move of God. I'm just here to tell you. You can miss what God is doing. You can. You can. You can miss. I, I, I just, I, I've got the voice of my spiritual father, Steve Hill, and he's talking about the moments that God would pour out his spirit, his glory there in Brownsville, and there were people hanging out at Starbucks or Whataburger. And, it, I mean, that's the last thing you want to hear. You go to lunch and you see somebody at Denny's. I'm like, bro, why'd you leave early? 
you missed it. That's like the worst feeling ever. You missed it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I used to like every once in a while I'd be tired because probably I was hanging out late with Leah the night before. And uh, it was when I was in Bible school. We were dating. And, uh, and so I'd just think, man, I'm going to sleep through worship this morning, our morning chapel. And, uh, and I, I learned to regret that so early on because every time I'd show up to the school, I'd go swipe in. It's time to go to my first class. And I would realize nobody's moving. Why is everybody still in the worship center? So I'd go in there, and man, the glory of God had come down. People were out under the power of God, and I'm thinking, I missed it. I missed it. So I got sick of missing it. I used to show up early for prayer before. I would stay late for prayer afterwards. I mean, I go on every outreach. I mean, you ask my wife. That's why, like, coming to church on Thursdays, having revival meetings Monday and Tuesday, it's nothing. Why? Even our dating experience was in prayer meetings and revival services. The first night we spent together, the first time we spent the night together was an all-night prayer meeting. Hallelujah. That's how you do it. That's how you do it, friend. Why? Because I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss. There were 500 invited into the upper room and 120 got it. Imagine being one of those other 380. Bro, you missed it. I don't want to miss it. Jacob here is in a moment with God. He realizes my life has led up to this moment right here. And this is an opportunity. I wanted the blessing from my dad, the blessing and peace from my brother. I wanted the blessing of a spouse. I want all of this. But right now, I have God in my grasp, and I am not going to let him go. In fact, you'll notice his, his strategy changes. He does something different, friend. I think you need to understand the weight of what's going on here. How many of you have ever prayed the prayer or you've sang the song, Lord, show me your glory? Have you ever said that? You don't know what you're talking about. Dr. Morocco talks about the moment where the glory of God came on him in 1995, and he thought, I'm going to die. The weighty presence. Read about the glory of God in the Bible. John sees Jesus in the fullness of his glory. And the Bible says in Revelation 1, he fell on the ground as a dead man. Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah sees the Lord in his glory. And he says, I am undone. His brain became like scrambled eggs in that moment. I mean, literally, mentally undone. I cannot handle what I'm seeing right now. We pray for the glory. The glory of God came down when they were dedicating Solomon's temple, and it was so weighty, people could not even make their way into the building. You think you want the glory of God, friend. You don't know what you're asking for. I've had a couple moments where I've been praying. Often late at night, I'd come to the church, I'd be pacing around the sanctuary, and I've had three experiences where I felt like God Almighty stepped into the room and I hit the floor. I was afraid to look up because I thought if I look up, God's going to be standing there, and if I see him, I'm going to die. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. Like, 
I hear Jesse Duplantis talk about the first time God visited him and he was not willing to roll over from his front side. And some people wonder, like, why? Turn around, look, have a con. Friend, you don't know what it's like when God shows up. It'll freak you out. It's crazy. And there was a belief. In fact, remember, when Moses was praying to God on the mountain, and he says, Lord, show me your glory. Show me your glory. And the Lord responds to him. I cannot show you my glory because no man can see my face and live. No one can see. But he says in that same passage, but I will give you my name. Now, what did Jacob say? He realizes this is God. And he says two things. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And God responds to him. The sun is rising. Why is that important? He's been wrestling him through the night. And if the full sunlight comes upon the face of God and he sees him, he's a dead man. And then he says, tell me your name. He says, God, I want your blessing and I want your name. You don't realize what he's asking for. You realize everything Jacob has wrestled for up to this point, he's wrestled for the blessing. He's wrestled for acceptance. He's wrestled for inheritance. He's wrestled for love. And now he realizes everything that I have ever wanted is now right here in front of me. And in this moment, he changes his strategy. You'll notice the Bible says in verse 24, I believe, that he wrestled with God. But in verse 26, it says that he would not let him go. I will not let you go. Jacob stopped wrestling with God and started wrestling for God. You're the one that I've wanted all this time, and I'm not going to let you go. And God responds, if you see me in the full light of day, you're going to die. You see, he's gone beyond a conditional agreement. God, if you bless me, if you do this, if you do, it's not that anymore. He's saying, God, I want you, I want your name, even if I die. Oh, my goodness. Church. Have you come to this place? That's revival right there, friend. I believe I make declarations over my finances, over my relationships, over those whom I love. I believe for all of those things. But friend, you and I know you can go after anything that the world would offer. It will not satisfy what you are looking for. What you are yearning for is him. It's him. Stop wrestling with God and start wrestling for God. Oh, my goodness. So he grabs on. He's unwilling to let go. It's a moment of total surrender. You remember what God told Abraham in Genesis 33? This is a neat passage, and this is one for all of us. He said, Abraham... I am your shield. I am your exceeding great reward. 
Do you realize, church, a greater blessing than anything you could receive in this lifetime? You could have every award and every degree and every title and everybody loves you, but you're still lacking something. And we have the privilege and the opportunity to come to God Almighty who's declaring over us, I am your exceeding great reward. Oh, my, that's what I want, friend. Worship team, would you come? I've got the last idea, but this is a short one. There's the wrestling. There's the encounter. This is why I contend for encounter, friend. People need an encounter from God. People need to experience God. That's why I, I mentioned that whole COVID season. I remember our ushers having to stand at that door right there and tell the officers that, no, we can't let you in right now. And we honor the police officers. They're doing their job. It's not their decision to begin with. But it's a miracle that God allowed us to buy this property, and we had the right to do that. Why? When everybody else was shutting down, when nobody, I tried, I tried going to churches wanting to receive prayer. Can somebody pray for me? Well, no, we're not doing that right now, social distancing and all. Friend, in the midst of all of that, we were having fire tunnels in our church. Hallelujah. You know what a fire tunnel is? That's where everybody lays hands on everybody. Hallelujah. We went after it. Laying hands on people. That's why we bring in prophets. That's why we do deliverance and encounter nights and things like that. Why? Man, I can get sermons on YouTube. But when we come together, we have the opportunity to experience and encounter God. And that's what I contend for. That's what changed Jacob's life. That was that pivotal moment. Oh, I'm going to stop wrestling for all this other stuff. It's you he encountered God. And the last thing is there was an affirmation of identity. And I love this. We read in verse 28, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with man. You've been a wrestler your entire life, and you have prevailed. Israel literally means God's fighter or one who struggles with God and prevails. You know what he changed his name to? Wrestler. Jacob. You've been a wrestler from the womb. You've been a wrestler your entire life. And now you have learned. Stop wrestling against me. Start wrestling for me. You realize there are identities. There are gifts. There are talents that are on the inside of you. And if the devil would have his way, he'll twist that thing. I've met people, man. I'm convinced most of these people that are psychics and palm readers and all of this, man, God probably has a desire to put a prophetic gift on them, but the devil came in and jacked that thing up. These people who have a yearning, man, I'm going to use a, you know, spirit energy to heal you, friend. Jesus said he would anoint us and give us power to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. The devil just came and brought in a god birth desire and distorted it. I'm looking at this stuff, man. I was an evangelist way before I went into the ministry. I had a desire 
to have experiences and encounters. And that's what pushed me into the world of drugs. I just want to experience something. I want to have some. If I would have got that in the church, friend, I know that I wouldn't have gone down that path. The trips I've gone on with Jesus way outweigh any drug that I've ever done. The encounters I've had with him way outweigh any substance that I've ever done. The problem is I was raised in a place we just didn't have those encounters. That's why I contend for encounters. That's why I want you to be in a place where we can experience and encounter God. And if there's anything, I'm, I'm praying that today there's a hunger being birthed in you that I'm going to get alone with God. And I'm going to contend for His presence. And I, I'm not going to let Him go until I, until I hear my name, until I know who He is, until I receive from His hand nobody else. Because it's you that I want, God.